What do ducks use to fix things around their house? Duct tape. <laughs> I hope that joke quacked you up. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is episode 135. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Are you ready for an update on all the craziness that's going on in my world? <laughs> it's time to catch up with Kaylin. Last episode, I forgot to mention that over the Christmas break, Channing finally installed the bidet sprayer that he bought as my Christmas gift last year. That's right, it sat in the box for over a year. But like he said, I'll do it later, and later finally came. He finally installed the Butt Blaster 3000, as he likes to call it. It took about an hour for him to do this process. He did it all on his own because I was wrangling three kids at the time. So he did this. And at the tail end, the fitting that came with the bidet kit, the fitting for the hot water portion, did not work. So he has to go get a new fitting. But the cold water is hooked up. Glad he spent the extra money to get the bidet sprayer where you can adjust the temperature to only have ice cold water. Don't worry, I have full confidence in him that it will take approximately a whole nother year for him to get that fitting for the hot water. <laughs> I want to share another funny story with you. After he installed the bidet sprayer, he turned on to make sure that it was working and there weren't any leaks or anything. And he cranked it on to full blast and did not realize that full blast for the Butt Blaster 3000 was pretty darn powerful and water shot all the way across the bathroom and hit the wall. <laughs> that was quite comical. <laughs> he also stated that he refuses to properly use it until there's warm water hooked up. Because that was what I was telling him. I said, you hooked it up, you turned on the water and it works, but now you need to actually test it out. And he won't do it until there's hot water hooked up. That means in about a year or so, you'll finally get another update during this catch up with Kaylin section on Channing's reaction to using the bidet sprayer. I am proudly using it. And I will tell you what, it is quite invigorating when you have ice cold water cleaning your lady bits. <laughs> it is a pretty cool little gadget though. The one that we got, you can pick the target. So there's a little picture of a bum or it just says ladies wash and it is surprisingly targeted. So ladies, you don't have to worry about the back coming up into the front and getting any type of UTIs or anything like that. And like I mentioned, you can adjust the water temperature when you have hot and cold water hooked up to it, and you can adjust the water pressure. So it does not have to shoot all the way across the bathroom. You can put it on low pressure where it's a trickle coming out and then work your way up to the desired pressure that you need to clean up your business. Prior to this, I would just use a little handheld squeeze bottle, pretty much the one that they give you at the hospital after you give birth. I'd just use that. <laughs> and I would turn on the sink water and wait for it to get warm and fill up my little squeeze bottle with the sink water. I will tell you this, with the squeeze bottle, you can clean a larger area because you're in control of the target, <laughs> of your aim and target, if that makes sense. You can move the bottle left to right. Whereas with the bidet sprayer attached to the toilet, it just comes straight out and you pretty much have to move your whole body to get it to clean a wider area. 
It is a good thing Channing got the bidet sprayer hooked up because a couple of weeks ago, our house was hit with the stomach bug. Not the flu, because we all got the flu shot and tested negative for that. Corbin was the first one to get it, who so kindly shared it with his brother, Colt. Channing and I split up. I took the boys, he took the baby, because we did not want her getting sick, because she's very tiny and can't take medicine (laughs) the way that the rest of us can. Since I took care of the boys, that meant a few days later, I got it. And because I love my husband so much, shared it with him. (laughs) Deep cleaned the entire house in between all of the sicknesses, but apparently I just kept missing a spot somewhere. I even got the remotes and the doorknobs. I Lysoled everything that I could think of, but all of my efforts were useless. In total, it was about a two-week process for the stomach bug to work its way through a house. Lessons learned. Next time, everybody just get sick and like immediately try to expose yourself to it and just be done and over with it. Just get sick, build up the immunity and be done. Because deep cleaning the house after each person was sick, just for the next one to get sick and deep clean the house for the next one to get sick. It, it just lasted forever. It just last. It was ridiculous. The part that sucked the most was well, exploding out of both ends. That really sucked. But a part that was challenging, I guess I should say, was when Channing got sick, it was on his very first day of work at his new job. And he was supposed to drive 10 hours up to Iowa. And instead, he got to hug the toilet and basically hang out in the bathroom all day long. He had to call in on his first day, which is not a good look when you're a brand new employee. Luckily, his company was very understanding and supportive and gracious. They agreed to change the onboarding process. They let him do a bunch of Zoom calls. He was just going to go up a couple days later, but then there was this big nasty winter storm coming through. So they said, you know what? By the time you get up here, it's going to be like Thursday. We've got a big nasty storm coming through. Friday is going to be a half day. You might as well just stay home the rest of the week. That worked out very well in my favor. (laughs) That was the silver lining to this whole situation. I mean, it it totally sucked, but that was the the good part about it was that instead of Channing being gone for three weeks, 21 days of me playing single parent, he is now currently only going to be gone for 14 days, which is great. So right now we're about... Six days in to the single parent journey, and I will tell you what, being a single parent of three kids sucks. (laughs) It is insanely stressful. The level of stress and anxiety and chaos that ensues is ridiculous. It just, it doesn't stop. That's the downside is that it doesn't stop. It took a couple of days to get a routine, but basically I wake up earlier than my alarm because the newborn is hungry so I have to feed her then I get to go back to sleep for about 15 minutes and then my alarm goes off I get up the whole morning routine is total chaos trying to get everybody dressed and ready and fed and into the car deliver them to all their locations on time get back to the house where I can now log in and work because I work from home three days a week I'm in the office two days a week working from home work is stressful 
because I'm in HR now, it's the beginning of the year, you know what that means, annual evaluations are due and I've never had to do them before. So this is a whole brand new process and this is really busy in my world. In addition to everybody acting up, like we still have HR drama every day because adults just can't be adults in the grown up world apparently in a professional environment apparently. But anyways, <laughs> I get off of work and then I have to go pick up all of the kids, come home. Now I have to cook dinner and entertain the kids who are all hungry right this second. They're asking me for 10,000 snacks and I'm telling them no because I know my kids. If I give them a snack at 5.45, that means at six o'clock when dinner's ready, they're not gonna eat any of it. So now I gotta be me. <laughs> Basically, I am turning on the TV and that is my secondary parent at this point. No judging at all. I don't care. I don't care about the one hour screen time. All the screen time in the world to you kiddos so I can get food done, so I can get chores done and dishes put away, the bottles prepped and ready. Then once dinner is done and cleaned up, the TV goes off. Then we start the bedtime routine, which is also stressful because I'm trying to get I don't want to get all three kids ready at once. It's just what's happening. It's time for bed. Okay, boys, let's get ready. And now the baby is screaming. So I'm literally walking around the house, feeding her in my arms, and I'm telling the boys how to get dressed, how to brush their teeth, which clothes match, and all of that stuff. It's just been oh so much fun. The baby is finally done eating at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. So then I get to get ready for bed and climb into bed around 11. And then around 3, 4 in the morning, I get another wake up to go feed the baby. And you're just exhausted all the time. Physically exhausted and mentally exhausted. Because you're constantly having all of this stress and chaos and all these situations. Everything hits all at the exact same time. And mentally you're trying to sort through it all and just put out the fire over here and here and here and here and there and over there and over in the other spot. And there's just all these fires that never go. It's like those stupid trick birthday candles. You know what I'm talking about? You make a wish, you blow out the candles, and then the fire just keeps coming back. And it's so funny. <laughs> it is kind of funny. But not, not when it's you who's trying to put out the stupid fires. After three, four days, I'm finally starting to get the hang of it. I've got a routine down. I've figured out efficient ways to plan and prepare for the mornings and the evenings and all the hustle and the bustle and all is good. And then we get that big butt winter storm coming in. Now I get to prepare the house and the chicken coop and all the animals. I forgot to mention that. That's also part of the chaos checking in and feeding the dog, the cats, the fish, and the chickens every single day. It's just so many chores. Anyways, the winter storm is coming. I cheat and I do a Walmart delivery. I get a grocery delivery to the house because I do not have time and I don't want to deal with the stress and the chaos of loading up all the kids in the minivan to go grocery shopping and come back. That's too much work. Just have them delivered to me so I can keep the hair attached to my head. <laughs> At this point, there were like eight items that were not delivered. That sucks because they're all part of the meals that I had planned. I literally planned out a menu with the meals, ordered the ingredients, and it's like the main thing. The chicken was not delivered for chicken stir fry night. The ground beef was not delivered for Mexican beef stew night. The lettuce was not delivered because I was going to have salads for lunch every day. I got the tomatoes and the carrots and the so I got all the fixings for the salad, but not the freaking lettuce. 
kind of the important part of the salad. So I'm very frustrated at this point. Then to top it all off, the garage door opener decides to stop working. So I have this beautiful garage that I can put the minivan inside of. It is a heated garage I can put the minivan inside of. That way in the mornings I can just load the kids straight up into the minivan. But now the garage door opener is not working. I'm familiar with garage doors. I understand how they work. I did the little chain thing. I took it off the little track, lifted it up by hand, which by the way, that garage door, it's a double wide garage door. And I think it's made out of steel. It's freaking heavy. It is heavy. It took all my strength to get that stupid door up. I get it all the way up and I'm as tall as I can get. (laughs) And... The door is up as high as it will possibly go. It doesn't go anymore, but when I let go, it doesn't stay up. It falls and crashes down with a big loud thud. There is no way to keep the door up. So even though I'm able to get it up with all of my strength, I cannot hold it up and drive the minivan inside the house. And neither can my four-year-old or my two-year-old or my newborn. So we're just hoes in that manner. Okay, great. This winter storm is coming. I have to park the minivan outside the garage. It will now get covered in snow and ice. We don't have any sidewalk salt because I did request that, but the other adult in the house did not purchase it because it was too expensive. So now I'm stuck shoveling the ice and the snow off of the minivan. And around the minivan, that way in the morning, when it's super cold, I can still load up all of the kids. It was so much fun. Oh, speaking of this minivan, let me share this with you. Here's one more update about this minivan. The check engine light, it was fixed. It went off for nine days. And then it came back on for the sixth, that's right, one, two, three, four, five, sixth time, the flipping check engine light is back on in our van that we have only had for two months. So when I say being a single parent sucks, that's a total understatement. To all the single parents out there who have to do this full time, I only have to do it for two weeks. I've only been doing it for six days and it's been a real whirlwind. For everybody that has to do this full time, I 100% stand up and salute you. You are freaking superheroes and I totally have a new respect for you. In other news, now that I am done venting, (laughs) thank you for listening to me vent. I do feel much better. Both ladies, Miss Frittata and Creme Brulee, are laying eggs now, and it is the coolest thing. I get to go out every morning, feed them food scraps from the night before, check their food and water, pet on them, love on them. They're excited to see me when I come out there because I got food. (laughs) But they do have emotions. They're like little pets. I understand why some people say that their chickens are their pets. I totally get it. But it is really cool to go out there every morning and basically go on a miniature Easter egg hunt. I mean, they're not Easter eggs, but I'm going on an egg hunt every day. As an adult, you don't get to do Easter egg hunts, so it's kind of fun. (laughs) I also learned a new nickname for eggs. They are called Farm Fresh Butt Nuggets. (laughs) I saw that and I busted out laughing and I thought to myself, I will from now on call them Farm Fresh Butt Nuggets. I do think between my chicken experience and the increase in egg prices, many others may want to start raising chickens. Therefore, I do want to do a quick recap on some lessons learned just to kind of remind everyone of what they're going to be getting themselves into if they want to raise chickens. The first one is that most hens 
do not start laying eggs until they are about four to six months old. And in my case, it took eight months. So be prepared. Just because you get chickens, it's gonna be a while before you get eggs. I was very fortunate and was gifted adult chickens. If you decide to become chicken owners, usually people would have to get baby chicks and raise them. And for the first few weeks of their lives, baby chickens need to be kept at a temperature of around 95 degrees Fahrenheit. And they are very sensitive to that. You have to build your own little brooder, get a little heat lamp and water, and you have to monitor them and pay close attention to them. It's very easy for them to pass away just due to not being at proper temperature. I know this may not be a surprise, but chickens need to eat. Yes, you can give them your table scraps, but you will still need to supplement their meal, especially now in the winter time. It's not very easy for them to free range and forage. Depending on the amount of chickens you have and the amount of yard you have, basically you're gonna need a really, really big yard if you want the chicken to forage for bugs and worms and seeds and stuff, enough to where they would not need feed. In the wintertime, you're, you're, you're giving them feed, and if you don't have a gigantic yard, you're giving them feed. And just like everything else, the cost of feed has also gone up, which is, I'm guessing, one of the contributing factors to the increased price of eggs. And honestly, all livestock animals, the price of meat, like chicken meat and cows and pigs, all of the meat, all of their products, cheese, milk, bacon, all those prices are going up because the cost of raising the animal and feeding the animal has also gone up significantly. You will raise a baby chicken to a full-grown adult chicken and they will be beautiful and pumping out eggs for the first year. After they hit about a year old, then they will molt, M-O-L-T. And going through a molt means that they will stop laying eggs and they'll become pretty ugly because they're going to lose all their feathers and grow out new feathers. And the molting season, I believe, happens around the fall and the winter. Just be prepared for that. In the wintertime, chickens don't lay as many eggs. I know mine started laying eggs in the wintertime, but their bodies will go into a rest this allows the chicken to take the energy that they would use to create eggs and reroute it basically to keep them warm in the winter time. And their body does need a natural rest from pumping out eggs all summer long. The good news is once winter ends and the warmer weather comes back in, now the chicken has more energy to direct towards egg laying and you will get an increased egg production in the summertime. The average lifespan of a chicken is between five to 10 years but they will quit laying eggs around four to five years, just so you're aware. What some people do is they say, thank you for all of the egg production that you have given me throughout the years. You can now live here and I will continue to pay money <laughs> for your food and shelter and take care of you. Others will say, you ain't pumping out eggs anymore. Now I'm going to cull you, C-U-L-L, cull you, which basically means they're going to slaughter them and put them on the dinner table. It honestly seems like just about everything is a predator to chickens. Foxes, coyotes, the neighbor's dogs, raccoons, everything will hunt down your chickens. Owls, hawks, weasels, all of them, everything. Another thing to keep in mind is that chickens poop everywhere. <laughs> they are pooping machines and they poop everywhere. If you do not have a big area for them to free range and they are in a confined area, 
then the poop smell comes on quick and you need to clean much more often. If you do have a big area for them to free range, then you don't have to clean up as much. You gotta pick your battle there. And the last reminder is that chickens are just like any other animal, which means they can also get medical issues just like any other animal. There are issues with chickens cannot get the eggs to come out. They can become impacted. They can get mites on their feet and their feet can get all swollen and scaly and infected. There's a, a lot, actually. There's a lot of different things that can affect your chickens. You have to get medicine and take care of them and keep an eye out for them. If you want to become a chicken farmer, I think that is awesome. I don't want to discourage anybody from becoming a chicken farmer, but I know everybody is upset about the price of eggs. And if you think you're going to save money by raising chickens, it's, it's quite an initial investment to get a chicken coop and everything set up. It is a lot of work. You do have to go out there and water them and feed them and take care of them every day. But it is really cool to get the eggs. There are a lot of rewards. But just remember the feed and the bedding and the, the bedding that you have to put down on the coop floor for them. It's, that stuff's not cheap. Those prices are also going up. Just be mindful of that. In the previous episode, I alluded to the fact that Channing suddenly has an interest in learning about ducks, and he is intrigued about raising ducks, and has been doing all sorts of fun research about the little quackers. Since I know all about chickens, well, I mean, Channing also knows about chickens at this point, but he knows about the ducks, I structured this episode to basically be a side-by-side comparison. Ducks versus chickens. That way we can really compare the pros and cons of each and really understand what we would be getting ourselves into if we got ducks. When you purchase baby ducks and baby chicks and you raise them by hand, you do have a higher success rate with ducks because they're a little bit more hardy. Another thing to note is that when they are babies, the chickens will peck more. So you have to handle them regularly and frequently to get them used to you. But they will peck at you because they're afraid of you and you have to, they have to get used to being handled. Ducks don't peck. They are much more friendly than baby chicks. Both are completely adorable. <laughs> Chickens will also peck each other. The pecking order thing, that's real. It is very hard to integrate new birds into the flock. That's how we got our current hens because the previous owners could not integrate them in with their current flock. So we took them in. During the day, when you let chickens out to free range and forage and go get their food, they will separate and roam around all over the place. Ducks tend to herd. So when you're trying to get the chickens to go from one place to another, like out of the neighbor's yard and back into your yard, you, it's hard to do that because they go in all different directions. But ducks herd, so if you need to move them, it's actually very easy to do that. Most duck breeds will herd. I heard of one breed that is very independent, and that's the Muscovy duck. They are kind of the exception to all of the duck things that I'm about to go over today. <laughs> That's what I kept hearing. Like, yes, here's this thing. Here is this fact about ducks, except this Muscovy duck. They're the exception to the rule every single time. And that's fine. So that's during the day. And at night, chicken will put themselves to bed. All we have to do is close the door. Like the sun goes down, they will literally go to the coop on their own, up to the little roosting bar and go to sleep. We just have to close the coop door. 
At this point, we don't even have to do that anymore because we got an automatic chicken coop door and it has been amazing. It opens automatically with the sunrise and it closes with the sunset. And when it is really cold outside and winter nights and it's dark by 536 o'clock, it really stinks to have to bundle up and trudge through the snow and mud to go close the chicken coop door. So the automatic thing, although it's pricey, totally worth it. On the other hand, with ducks, you will have to herd them into their pens at night. Some sources say that they will go to bed on their own. You will have to lure them with treats to get them there, but you will still have to go out there and get them into their pen. They're not just going to do it all by themselves. Also, with your coop and the door, it's going to have to be much more secure and fortified. So with chickens, you have to worry about predators coming in. But the chickens are pretty docile and gentle creatures for the most part. With ducks, they are bigger and stronger than chickens. They can actually push doors open. Not only do you have to fortify the coop in the pen area about for predators coming in, you have to fortify it to stop the ducks from getting out until you decide to let them out because it's now safe to do so in the daytime. Both chickens and ducks are great sources of fertilizer. You can take chickens and you put them in what we call a chicken tractor. It's basically a mobile pen. It's like a, a gigantic cage on wheels, giant, really big. It's a gigantic cage on wheels and you can rotate it around to the different areas of the lawn. So they will forage around the area that you put them in. So if you move the tractor over, you know, to the east side or whatever of the yard, then they will eat everything, eat all the grass, scratch it up, poop all over the place and fertilize that yard and it will now be really green in that area. They should hang out there for a few days or a week, then move them to the next spot. And you just keep rotating it around and keep your yard nice and healthy. With ducks, their poop is extremely messy. <laughs> you can also rotate the ducks around the yard, but their poop, they have to get in water. So when you're rotating ducks, you now also have to rotate pools of water and stuff. And Ducks are messy. Their poop is very messy. You will have to change the pool water frequently because of the poop that is all over the place. What a lot of people will do is take the pool water and pour it into buckets. When I say pool, I mean like a kiddie pool or just tubs, totes of water. It's a small little water area for the ducks to swim in. It doesn't, it's not a human sized pool. It's not real big, but just like little kiddie pools. Anyways, you take that pool water that's now full of duck poop <laughs> and you pour it into buckets and you can spray it around the garden or the orchard trees and all of that stuff and, and fertilize that way. Both are good sources of fertilizer. It's just pick the amount of work that you want to do to get the fertilizer spread throughout your yard and your gardens. Continuing on with poop, Chickens do tend to poop out in the yard. When you have them free ranging, you have a large yard, it's not a big issue. But when they are in the coop, a lot of the times and have a small area to roam around, then they do poop and it does get fragrant. That's understandable. That's just part of the nature of poop. What is interesting is that chickens, when they're inside the coop, they are usually inside the coop at night. They go to the coop to nest and lay eggs and to rest up on the roosting bar. They go there to roost. When they're on the roosting bar, which is stationary, they do poop a lot. It's interesting when we go into the coop, you can see piles of poop all underneath the roosting bar. So you have a very targeted specific area to clean with their poop and their poop is 
Easy cleanup for that matter. Ducks poop a lot and their poop sprays. It's a liquid spray, whereas a chicken is more of a little firm turd. <laughs> but ducks is very liquidy and sprays. My understanding, and I might be wrong because I don't own ducks, <laughs> but my understanding is that the duck poop is mostly around the water source, which does make it relatively easy. It makes it confined, therefore easier to clean because it's in all around one area. But that also means that you do need to clean daily in order to keep the smell down. It's still very, very stinky, but less with daily cleaning. I don't really know how the water pool thing for the ducks works in wintertime because I imagine it would freeze up and a lot of the containers used for a miniature pond or a pool for the ducks are plastic. What we have for the chickens, we do have a drinking water container and it is metal and it sits on top of a heat plate. And that's what stops the water from freezing in the wintertime. I'm not sure what you would do for ducks in terms of swimming for them in the winter. Both ducks and chickens do lay eggs and you can eat them. The chickens usually, for the most part, chickens use nesting boxes. Mine don't. <laughs> Mine totally ignored the nesting boxes and they found a little spot on the floor of their coop and that's where they go. But they do tend to lay in the same spots. From my understanding, ducks lay everywhere. They don't really use nesting boxes and they lay eggs all over the place. You'll have to continuously look for eggs. And that is also true for chickens if you have them free ranging all the time. Then you will find chicken eggs on the seat of your lawnmower or the back corner of your garage or uh, all, all sorts of different spots. It's just, they will tend to pick the same spot over and over is what I'm saying. Ducks are kind of all over the place until they decide that they want to brood and then they will get a collection of eggs and then lay on them and brood. And by brood, I mean, they're going to lay there until they hatch. They're going to hatch them. With both birds, there are a variety of breeds. You'll have the meat breeds and the egg breeds. The meat breeds are grown quickly and then slaughtered and processed to feed your family. And the egg ones are just for that, collect eggs. <laughs> egg laying ducks will grow faster than the egg laying chickens, which is beneficial in a lot of different aspects. If the egg laying duck will be a adult duck with full feathers in around seven weeks, whereas with chickens, it can be about 14 or so weeks before they get their feathers. It just means that you'll have to keep them inside under a heater for a longer period of time if you're in the northern climate. If you're down south and it's 95 degrees every single day of the year, then it's not too much of an issue. Ducks will take around six to seven months before they lay eggs. Chickens are supposed to be four to six months. Mine took eight. So take that what you will. I think they're pretty equal in that aspect. And for the most part, they lay about one egg a day, both birds. Both chickens and ducks are foragers. Chickens will go all through your vegetable garden and eat all of the bugs and your veggies and totally tear up your garden and ruin it and you'll cry and be sad. <laughs> Ducks will go all through your vegetable garden and eat the bugs. They are very garden friendly. So I like that. Very nice big pro in the duck category for Kaylin. <laughs> and when it comes to feeding or eating, 
ducks will mix their feed in with their water. They'll go back and forth, the feed bowl to the water bowl, to the feed bowl to the water bowl. They want their feed to be wet. That's how they eat their feed. And once it gets wet, it's gonna smell a little funky. They need to eat it right away. And if they don't eat it, it spoils and smells terrible. They will waste a lot of feed with this process and it's expensive, so that's a pain in the butt. They make a gigantic mess doing this process. You have to clean their water daily because of this. And due to the high amount of fluid in their feed and their digestive system, that's what causes their poop to be liquidy and spray all over the place. Chickens like their food and their water separate. They are not nearly as wasteful as ducks. Some people will still complain that chickens can be wasteful with their feed. I think it depends on the feeder system that you have set up. We have a feeder that is actually hung up so the chickens are standing and it's about their beak height. They just walk right up and they can just, it's even with their head. The feed gets wasted when it's down on the ground and the chickens try to climb on top of the feeder because the chickens like to climb on top of things and they poop all over the place. A lot of people complain about how they have to change the feed and the water daily with chickens because poop gets everywhere. If you get them hung up in the air, then it's not an issue. And the same thing with our water. It's on a heat plate, but we have it elevated. So that way they just walk right up and they can just put their heads in it. It's at their head level is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm doing all these hand motions to help explain, but you can't see them because this is an audio podcast, Kaylin. You should know this by now. Stop talking with your hands. When it comes to cohabitation, Ducks are bigger and stronger than chickens and therefore they are mean to chickens. Chickens will be mean to each other. The pecking order thing is real, like I mentioned earlier, but ducks are mean to chickens. They will push and shove the chickens out of the way to get to the food, which will leave the chickens hungry. You can, there are places that do house them together and just feed them separately what I have gathered is that it's just easier to have two separate pens and just keep them separated and that reduces a lot of headaches. In terms of hardiness, ducks are more hardy. They have a higher success rate of being raised from little baby ducklings up to adults. They're more disease resistant. They are bigger and stronger. They can take care of themselves better. Ducks are a lot more hardy. Do understand I'm going through this list and comparing ducks to chickens, but take all of this with a grain of salt. Do, do understand there will be exceptions. Both ducks and chickens come in many different breeds. It's kind of like asking someone what it's like to have a dog. Okay, well, dogs come in different breeds, right? You have a Great Dane who's going to be very different than a Lab or a Chihuahua or a pug, you've got different sizes, different temperaments, they have different areas of strength, different work ability, train ability, are they family friendly, all of that stuff. So do take into account it really depends on the breeds of your ducks and your chickens, on what kind of experience you will have raising ducks and chickens. Something to note, kind of like with a dog, the smaller dogs, therefore the smaller ducks, are going to be less messy. <laughs> still stinky, still messy, just less messy. <laughs> and they will also eat less <laughs> if you want to save on feed too. Some of the smaller breeds that are recommended for ducks are runner ducks and call ducks. Runner ducks are the slimmer and 
taller ducks, not bigger, just they're just slim and tall. You'd recognize them if I showed you a picture that I cannot do on this podcast. <laughs> but what's cool about the runner ducks is that they can get the bugs off of the plants in your vegetable garden. Like they can get up on, they can reach higher up onto the plant and get the bugs straight off of the plant. Call ducks are the itty bitty little ducks. They cannot reach very high up on the plants, but they are excellent for getting bugs off of the ground. They will dig a little bit to get to the bugs out of the ground, but they still won't destroy your garden. But they will at least get the squash beetles and stuff that that do destroy your plants. They start off down in the ground and work their way up the plant. So both sets, both types of ducks, runner ducks and call ducks are good for gardening. They will both get the job done. After really learning and analyzing what all it's going to take for ducks and between the pest control and the free fertilizer for the gardens, I'm pretty on board for getting ducks too. I'm willing to take the next step. I'm sure there is a lot more to learn about ducks. I'm sure there's a lot that I don't know that anybody listening who has ducks is like, oh, Kaylin, you got this way wrong. You got that way wrong. You're forgetting this. You're forgetting that about that. <laughs> and that's okay. We didn't know anything about chickens. We dove into that one head first. At least now we've got a better understanding and appreciation and kind of know what we're getting into. But I'm I'm still pretty excited about ducks. I don't know when we will get them. We got to build a pen and get all that figured out. Life is pretty chaotic right now as a single parent. So I'm just trying to get through it one day at a time. Not even that. I'm literally getting through it one hour at a time. In a couple of weeks, I will have time to really sit down and think about raising ducks and how we can incorporate that into our home that is the end of the episode which means it is time for the challenge reflecting back on the events of this past week i forgot to mention at the beginning how i wheeled out the recycling normally channing does that he'll take the recycling and the trash out that's something that he does we you know we have our assigned, I don't want to say assigned chores, but you know, there's certain chores that he does each week and there's certain ones that I do each week. The ones that he does is taking out the trash and recycling, which is fine and dandy. But now that he's not here for these couple of weeks, I get to do it. And I wheeled out the little recycling bin and I'm so excited because every week, every day before anything gets thrown away, I sit there and analyze, can I reuse this in any way, shape or form? If so, I keep it. If not, then I have to determine, should I like, can I recycle it? If I can't recycle it, then I have to put it in the trash can begrudgingly. (laughs) But with the recycling bin, I wheeled it out to the end of our driveway along the road. It's sitting there on the curb and it's extremely windy where we live. It's very windy all the time. And regularly our recycling bin will get blown over and the contents will go all over the yard. And now we get the immense pleasure of picking it all up and putting it back in the recycling bin. I did that twice on Monday. Monday's our recycling day. I pulled it out there in the morning and noticed it was all down. So I picked it all up, put it back in the bin. And then around three o'clock in the afternoon, the recycling truck still hadn't come. It was knocked over and had blown all over the yard again. And yes, it has a lid. It's just like a regular trash tote, like on wheels that goes out there with this big heavy lid. But it just keeps falling over and going all over the place. This is something that Channing would complain about regularly, but I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I never had to deal with it. So I wasn't as empathetic, but now that I've had to do it, I totally get his frustration with the recycling bin. On Tuesday, that's our trash day. 
I had to wheel out the garbage and I thought, wow, this is significantly more heavy. That's why the garbage never falls over and blows all over the place. It's just the recycling. Most of our recycling is paper and cardboard stuff. It's not even stuff that we want. A lot of it is junk mail that is given to us by the mail person. We don't want it. We just basically accumulate it and stick it in the recycling bin. So back to the challenge. I want you to think about separating your recycling. The stuff like the plastic versus what can be burned in a burn pile. We now have a fireplace in our house. We have a burn pit in our backyard. We did not have that before, and I understand that not everybody's going to have that. But if you do have that access, think about what can you pull out that is safe to burn, the newspapers and the cardboard, because when you have a backyard fire or a fireplace fire, that is something, we did that before, we just did what we needed to get the fire started. Now we're going to really go through and separate it all out, like what can be burned, because having it blow all over the yard and all over the neighbor's yard and picking it up, it's just ridiculous. My challenge to you is separating it out and starting a burn pile, if you're able to do that. I think that's something that everybody can incorporate and then take advantage of the burn pile. Use it for warmth whether it's a burn pile or a fireplace in your home, use it for warmth in these winter months. Use it to cook food on. And you can also save the ashes and put those in your garden. Those count as compost and they're very nutrient dense for your garden and do well. The next episode is going to air on February 13th, which is the day before Valentine's. I have not even thought that far ahead. I'm going to try to come up with some valentine's material i don't know if that's going to if i'm going to stick with that plan <laughs> like i said i'm literally just making it through one hour at a time right now <laughs> i'm in survival mode until Channing gets back but the next episode will be monday february 13th sustainer nation i hope that you thoroughly enjoyed this episode and learn something about ducks or chickens or what it's like to be a single parent. In the meantime, continue to save the world and I will talk to you all again on February 13th. Have a great one. Bye.